welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I am your macho ex-gangbanger host, Javi. What's up, Holmes? Oh, Jesus. This <laughs> <laughs> is not how I wanted to start. <laughs> no, that's how we're starting it, bitch. And uh, yeah, this week, I think we mentioned it last week on the show, obviously, that we wanted to put the last two weeks of uh, June as uh, kind of put LGBTQ, you know, films in the spotlight. And, you know, this one is probably a little less, it's it's going to be less uh, on top. It's a little niche. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to be a little niche. Well, not just that, but like, I mean, I don't mean to incorrectly call this an LGBTQ movie because it's, well, it's it's more of a Chicano movie, and the character that is gay isn't the main character of the film. Like, he is, even though he is, like, the co-star and, like, a very important character in the movie, he is not the, he's not the focus of it. And I just want to make that clear that, you know, maybe I, I just want to make sure that nobody feels like I've, like, mislabeled what kind of movie this is. No, this movie is definitely a intersectional movie, I think is a good way of putting it. It addresses a lot of issues, including yes. like machismo and toxic masculinity, especially in the Latino community, and coupling that with the story of a, a young man coming into his own accepting his sexual, sexuality, right? Do you have a previous experience with this movie, or is this your first time ever watching it? My only experience with this movie was, I remember it was about 2010, 2011 is probably when this movie started uh, making its rounds, right? Like coming out of the festivals and whatnot. Uh, I would have been like 19, 20, super not into like art house films or super not into like indie films. Um, you know, I was in college at the time, like kind of, kind of learning about intersectionality, kind of learning about social, um, you know, becoming more socially conscious and like social justice issues. Right. Now I remember someone, I think you actually, I think you were the first person to tell me about this movie, how it was completely filmed, um, you know, in, in the mission in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, I'm like, that sounds really interesting. But I never really had a connection with San Francisco that way to make, like, to make me, oh, yeah, I have to watch this movie. So I'm like, I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. And I kept hearing, like, it was, it was really good and it was fantastic. And I'm like, oh, well, then I'm going to, if it's good, I'm probably going to like it. So I'm like, I'll get around to it eventually. So finally, when, you know, like this this year, we finally decided to, do it for june um and review this movie and talk about it i'm like okay this is great great a time as any to finally get it done you know mm-hmm. so that's about all my experience with it well okay so this movie uh I, I think you probably caught it if you're talking 2011 you might have caught it on some sort of second run or maybe by the time it was starting to hit video and I only say that because when this movie did first come out and did start making uh, rounds in movie theaters is when I saw it. And that would have been early 2010. So, um, all right, you can take off the freaking beret and your stupid ascot. We get it. Film student. Look, shut up. This is okay. My, cause I'm going to get into my experience with this movie and my experience with this movie is going to be a lot. And, gonna make me cry. 
<laughs> no, okay. So when this movie was in production, I was at City College of San Francisco. I was in first couple years. Yes, I was taking film courses by then. Yes, I was a fucking pretentious douche as everyone what? is in their like late teens, early 20s. <laughs> I think if you and I would have done this podcast or maybe talked about this film like eight years ago, like I, I might have, I might be the most insufferable person on earth. But you, yeah, I remember when we first had this idea and you were like, Harvey's going to be the dumb funny guy and then I'm going to be the one that has the movie knowledge. And I remember you told, I remember you told me that and I was like, oh my God, fuck you. I'm never going to do a movie podcast. <laughs> yeah, and that's... now look at us eight years later. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this movie is, okay, all right, so, you know, it is in the kind of Chicano, like, film, like, genre, subgenre, right? Um, Hood films, as I've come to learn, is a subgenre. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, specifically the two star, uh, two of the stars of this film, Benjamin Bratt and Jesse, I think it's Borrego? Um, is, uh, is, yes, Jesse yeah, Borrego, Rene Rivera. Yeah, and both of them, uh, you know, most people who watch this movie or who are into this movie... They also play brothers in Blood In, Blood Out from the 90s. <laughs> and, oh, if, God. and if you watch that film, like that film is a three hour, like, fucking exploitation <laughs> film. The just, Chicano Godfather with a shit ton more violence and blood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, it was, it's one of those movies that, like, it's a favorite of mine, like growing up and, and I don't think it's a good movie. It's just a movie that like, I just know have seen and definitely enjoy. Right. But you just like it. Yeah. It's one of yeah. those movies that you just like. It, it's, it's, and, and, and it's not good. Like I would probably even classify it as a guilty pleasure film. Like, you know, when you watch it, you're like, this movie does not need to be three fucking hours long. I've watched Don't it recently. We're about to get greenlit, asshole. <laughs> uh, it should not be this long. It's not that great. That's how um, I feel about The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I'll say this, you know, I, I was definitely excited to see these guys uh, coming back in a film again. Um, and then for a few things one of them is this was kind of my introduction in my young adult life uh to representation on film right um you know the 90s was an era where we did have a lot of those hood chicano films but that kind of went away for a while especially when the 2000s came like yeah because the 2000s was dominated by hector in uh the <laughs> <Fast and> Furious <laughs> franchise. but like it's just yeah, it's, I feel like for a very long time, it's like that that kind of movie went away. And, um, and yeah, of course, I was in San Francisco going to school, so I had heard about this movie coming out. I knew people who have friends and family members who are in this film. Mm -hmm. uh, and, like I said, you know, it's just a very close close relationship with this film. And I was also excited that it happened to be covering san francisco specifically the mission district because mm. a lot of these films in this like subgenre or all of them are all revolving around la and mm. i think one thing that people really need to be aware of if you're coming from if you're coming to this from an outsider's perspective is that films that are you know that are in la like just the even even chicano latin 
you know, Latin American, whatever. Like the cultures are different depending on wh- which part of the state of California you're in. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like 100% agree. Like your experience being Chicano here in San Francisco is going to be different from someone that grew up in East LA, you know, like it's just a different vibe. It's a different, uh, different struggle. I mean, there may be similar stories, but yeah, the culture is going to be different no matter what, especially, you know, the culture right now is different from 2020 to when this movie was made back in 2009, you know? The, around the time that this movie comes out, you know, one of the things that it covers is they talk about the early, not, it's, it's not the early part because gentrification had been going on since before then, but it's that, but it was, but yeah, it, yeah but it was like that early, like it, it was the early time in my life when I was really starting to figure out what gentrification was. Mm-hmm. And now if you were to go back and make this film in, in the city today, there are much, much less uh, people in these neighborhoods who are actually brown. So it, it, it's, it's changed. It's changed just in the time since this movie had come out. Mm-hmm. But um, regardless, I guess we can get into this movie. The, the main, you know, the, the character of Che, which is played by, um, by Benjamin Bratt, he is the star of this film. Uh, the his... most Mexican Peruvian you're ever gonna meet, <laughs> and his son, uh, his son Jess Rivera is played by Jeremy Ray Valdez, who I've seen in stuff. I think it's mostly television what he's been in before, but you know, it's you know, they, they I think they're really good characters and actors who are in this role. I do love uh, Jesse Borrego and and Talisa Soto. I think are their names. Uh, this is Soto is, is Benjamin Bratt's wife, but most people who watch this movie would remember her as Katana from the Mortal Kombat movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even Benjamin Bratt, like, right, like, outside of, like, Blood In, Blood Out, like, I can't tell you, like, a, ha- a ton of stuff that I've seen the guy in. I know he's made appearances on television. I do remember that he, <laughs> he actually played... Uh, Halle Berry's love interest in Catwoman, <laughs> which is like, uh, <laughs> that movie was bad. Yeah, which is like you know unfortunate. He was also in he was in Demolition Man, one of my yep. guilty pleasure like action. Ah, fuck that! I love action. I love Demolition Man. <laughs> so bad, but uh, he was also in a lot of rom com fans will remember him from Miss Congeniality. He was yes. uh, San Felix boo thing. Yeah, so um, so he's he, he is the main he is the anchor of this film, uh, and so is Jesse. Like he's the one we're following. Yeah, and I also do like the fact that uh, they, that you know his love interest uh, Lena is played by Eric Alexander, who I don't know if you know her from a ton of stuff that you've seen her in before. Uh, You're gonna but, say she's in Living Single because <laughs> you just watched Living Single. <laughs> yeah, I did, of course. And they, and and what's funny to me is that the character that she plays in this is like absolutely like so different from uh, <laughs> Maxine Shaw, attorney at law, which is like the you know brassy <laughs> like lawyer that she played on <laughs> on that uh, on that show. You know, uh, but what? But again, what I appreciated about this movie is you look up and down the cast. This is a cast filled with people of color. Um, they are not recognizable faces, quote unquote, in the way you would think, but they're all people you know from stuff. Because mm-hmm. the other guy who's also in this cast as well is 
you know, most people recognize him for his voice, but Kevin Michael Richardson is like a voiceover legend and he's, <laughs> and he lends his voices to a ton of different characters that we've seen in DC films, mm. um, you know, comedy sitcom, like, you know, animated sitcoms and all that stuff. Think of a black dude in a, any cartoon from pretty much 1999 until now. Mm-hmm. chances are it probably was kevin michael richardson he has a very <laughs> distinct voice mm-hmm. um oh god i'm trying to remember what else he he was in a he was in a super short-lived uh sitcom that abc had um crap what was it it was some crappy one nights of something nights of prosperity i think no, it doesn't matter. Like it really yeah. doesn't matter. Like but, he's just one of those guys. I wish he got more love because yeah. he's got. He's fantastic. I love him. Yeah. So, so the, again, the movie uh, it it takes place completely in the Mission District in San Francisco, which you know I think is not only the San Francisco. I feel like now San Francisco is starting to show up more in films, and you know, you and I make it a point to really appreciate when we see like Bay area landmarks and cities that are in movies that we're watching, but Mm -hmm. specifically this neighborhood of the mission district, like what it reminds me of more than anything in my life is just the stories that my parents tell because they grew up in, they spent most of their young adult, their teens, young adult years in the mission district in San Francisco even when I was born, like my first couple of years of life, I, I lived in the Mission District, even though I don't remember it. Um, it's awesome hearing those stories. Like my sister would tell me stories about how she would go like, you know, in, the, in that opening shot where they show like the murals, the streets, the, the just the areas around the Mission District. They show the sign for the, the Mission Theater, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember my sister told me when she was a kid that she... Uh, like she would go to double features like in the eighties to go. Yeah. Like, she would go to double feature nights to, with her friends. And like, they ended up watching, I forgot what movie they wanted to go see. I think no holds barred. And because she was a huge, <laughs> my sister was a huge wrestling fan and loved Hulk Hogan loved. I just want to put that out. But then the double feature was to watch like some hella violent movie. I think it was no holds barred and the predator. <laughs> Right. So, like my so my sister said that her friend's like grandma was like nope we paid for two movies y'all are gonna watch two movies <laughs> and she goes yeah i was pretty much uh scarred psychologically after that yeah and even my parents like when they first introduced me to halloween when i was growing up uh they the what they would tell me about is that the first time that they had watched halloween was it, it did second and third runs at the mission theater in san francisco so that's so crazy it's just it, yeah again it is it, it's so nice to see this on film because it really is the first time in my life that i watched a movie and then and i saw like my life on film in a way and and you know again so we see you know, Che in the opening shot, he's walking through the streets of, uh, of Mission and he's going into his home, which is like, you know, he's, you can tell that he's lived in that apartment for decades. Um, he is, you know, he is just a native San Franciscan, uh, a guy who has grown up in this neighborhood and has stayed in this neighborhood for all of his life. And one of the things that it's important to remember too, that like, and I, and I don't mean to continue on this tangent and stuff like that, but I, I just totally like 
it, it's so weird, especially like for us growing up in the East Bay, like there's a lot more crossover with the cities in the East Bay because, you know, not every city has everything that you're looking for. So if you live in Oakland or you live in Richmond, like you will go to different cities in the East Bay to go to like spots that you know and stuff like that. And the East Bay is super weird because of geographically how it is. You're never too far from any one city. Like Yeah. Where I, f- where I feel like a lot of the people that I knew that grew up like in the city or, or near the Mission District, like they don't really leave the city very often. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, and then, and, and I think that makes so much sense. It's like, you know, it really is a special, like, in that way it's a it's a it's a special interesting neighborhood it's got everything you need all within like a 20 minute walk right as opposed Um, to us where it's a maybe a 20 minute drive yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh, anyway so so che is a guy who is a recovering alcoholic he drives the muni bus in san francisco which is awesome i i love you know the fact that it's it's a thing where it's details that you don't need in a movie but it's going to give them to you anyway and they the are world building. and yeah exactly this this that is exactly what this movie does it builds it builds a believable world that you've seen and those details are just things where it's like you can tell that even though the film is made by guys from LA or guys who are not exactly from the bay area like there is such a love and care to the material that is being like filmed that i'll say it this way it has to be like a latin american film crew that's doing it like unless you're someone who is the who is part of that the culture of people who live in that neighborhood you're not going to get something that feels authentic and this movie is just it oozes authenticity in every scene so seeing che like put the uh you know put those the the muni bus like uh put them on the cables and stuff like that like that is just that takes me back because even <laughs> recently when i go to san francisco and stuff like that i don't think there's a ton of those like cable buses you know around in areas that i've seen especially now that you know a lot of the buses are hybrid right and, and you know everything has been kind of upgraded a little bit but it's just it's a little it's a little retro and th- there's a lot of stuff in san francisco in particular as opposed to a lot of other places in the Bay Area that's still a bit retro. Um, the buildings, the Victorian buildings that they that that all these characters live in as well. So all right. I, I will I will hop off my <laughs> how much you love San Francisco. And yeah, I'll hop off my boner of San Francisco it. so that we can get into this movie. Oh, you're not going to. It's gonna come back. Like, <laughs> it's gonna come back like all over the film, but but anyway, after we get introduced to Che, we get introduced to the character of Lena, who is, you know, who we talked about, uh, played by Erica Alexander. Um, she is riding her bicycle um, into, and apparently lives in the same building that Che is in. Yeah, and, so I was trying to remember, like, I was trying to figure out how exactly the, the house, I never grew up in San Francisco, um, but just to kind of describe the, the house to folks that don't know or aren't familiar with it. It's kind of like a weird duplex because it, it it's like Che and Jess have their own, like, they have, like, their own living room. They have their own living area downstairs. And then there's, like, a there's a staircase that you go in through the second door. And that's where Lena and the rest of the neighbors live, right? So yep. it's like a weird condo, not condo, sorry, a duplex where it's it a It is house. a duplex, yeah. 
and then actual like apartment units mm-hmm. um not something you see very often anymore like it is these houses are definitely san francisco houses that were built in like the 1950s yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from like way back then that pretty much the only way you should live in them now is like you were saying it's like you grew up there your grandma owned that house or she had like a rent agreement and it's just been passed down ever yeah. since. That's the other thing. It is nearly impossible to live in San Francisco uh, because of how expensive houses are. Like mm-hmm. that building will likely cost over a million dollars right now. Oh, right? that's easily like probably <laughs> one <laughs> like, and a half to three. It is absolutely nuts. And even even right now, as we're like, you know, knee deep into this like covid pandemic where a lot of people and a lot of tech companies are starting so a lot of tech companies are starting to discover the value of working from home so there's like surveys and like news stories that i've been reading like in in the sf gate and stuff like that where they talk about a lot of people are are leaving the bay area because they can't a they can't afford it and b if they're going to be working from home they might as well be living somewhere where they can afford the real estate which is actually at this moment starting to drive the rents down in san francisco a bit um, but again, still, it is still the most expensive city in the country. I think even more than New York at this point. Um, yeah. so, so yes, anyone who, you know, of color who lives in San Francisco, because I do have friends and relatives that still live there. You live there because you have relatives that have owned those houses, like have, have owned those houses for over a generation at this point. And it's crazy. You, you sell those houses, instant generational wealth. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's not here nor there right now. Yeah. So we get, in- <laughs> <laughs> so we get introduced to Lena. So she's new to the neighborhood. She's lived there for about maybe two weeks. I think it's uh, interesting. And- I think the choice is interesting to make her be the quote unquote, like hipster or gentrifier. Uh, that's coming into the neighborhood given that she is a black woman. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the one thing where it's like, I'm sure it happens. And, and and who knows what part of the country she's from or, you know, where, where her family's mm-hmm. from or why she's there. Like they don't get into like her story very much, but she like, she works at a, at a, at a woman's shelter. Um, like she doesn't make a ton of money. Um, you know, so, so there's, there, there's stuff that's missing there, and 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 I wonder why exactly she's she's the stand for representation of the new money that was coming into the city at the time, especially because now it's like if you're talking about like techies in the 2010s. It's just it is, it's all white folks. Like, what am I going to tell you? The only thing I can think of is that maybe she's supposed to be one of those college educated folks that comes into a different community but like you said they don't explain anything about her background they don't explain where she's from like uh i mean is she she must know the city well enough to get by on a bike because i don't think she drives like ever <laughs> yeah so it's yeah it's one of those weird things it's a really interesting choice um to have her be a black woman um right because even like he he basically just like for for no reason at all just well i guess he mentions that she's been that she's been uh making complaints about him working on his cars like out you know out in the sidewalk or outside of his garage and the first thing he does (laughs) is that uber macho thing why don't you come talk to me about it and i was just like well you know what's funny you know what's funny? I think this. I think that's very conscious. This movie makes a very conscious choice to introduce like 
change even even from the scene before that where he's walking through the mission and he ends up going to see uh, Renee and mm-hmm. uh, like uh, and and it, Anna I think is Renee's wife yeah and when he talks to her and she asks about like um <clears throat> about how how things went on a blind date with her friend <laughs> and basically like you know kind of uh, you know like just the com- the reason it seems like the date didn't go very well and that's because she you know obviously didn't the hit their ideas of you know patriarchy are very different and you do and right away from the beginning it tells you that say has a bit of an old world view i love how they're able to kind of establish what how she how che is without doing too much you know like the scene where he's on the bus and the kids are playing music and he goes and checks them um and like right away one of the kids acknowledges that he's one of like the older homies so like hey yo show him some respect sort of thing uh they do a really good job of like showing showing what his role is in this uh community and kind of how he stands um yeah i thought it was fantastic Uh, instead of you know sitting there and actually having the script someone tell you they show you you know yeah Um, and they do it really fast and and I, I I'll mention it just because I, I I'm pretty sure that this person does listen to the podcast. But I had a friend of mine who who actually sent me a a, a message and, and was telling me that his girlfriend is actually one of the extras in the back of the bus when Che goes back there to talk to these guys. So one of the things I appreciated about doing this movie too, by the way, a little behind the curtain, is we've had several people like message message us to tell us that like that that not only that they know people who who are in this movie and um i even had someone who said that their uh that their relative like did them was a makeup artist who did the makeup for benjamin bratton's film so as you can tell we have a little bit we have a little bit more emotional stake when it comes to this movie (laughs) (laughs) well even yeah i mean like even if we were to once i can't wait for us to do like fruitvale station eventually because i'm pretty sure that we are going to do that on this podcast um, oh, if I, one day the the goal is to get Ryan Coogler on this podcast. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. Back to Che. Back to Che and his delicious views of the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> so Che immediately has this confrontation with Lena, where you know she want where where he just feels like if there's anyone that has a problem with him, they should come bring it up with him. Um, so all right off the bat, we already know he's confrontational and he already kind of has these preconceived notions of what a man is and what a man is supposed to be treated like, right? Uh, we also get introduced to his son, Jesse Jesus, I think I call him Jesse for short. Um, yeah, and he, you know, they, you know, they seem like they have a very good relationship. You can tell that uh, that Che is super proud of him. He's super ha- the way he talks about him, the way he's so proud of him, talking about how, about his grades, talking about how he's getting into colleges, and he's trying to do all the stuff that Che couldn't do. Because um, Che, I think it's I don't know if they've ever explicitly say it throughout the film, but it is it is implied that he did some jail time. No, he, he he's I think it's it's brought up several times by characters in the film that he has done jail time. Oh, okay. But going to what you said as well is one of the nice things about this movie is is that it doesn't have to overstate the point in 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 some of these cases. It just kind of it feeds you information at the right time and it gives you just enough to go on. Um, seeing Jesse, you know that Jesse is an honor student. You know that Jesse is uh, someone who, like you said, had a great relationship with his dad. I 
I knew that obviously everyone around me that watched this movie when it came out knew that he was gay because the way that people talked about this movie was, oh yeah, it's that movie about the mission where the guy has a gay son. So, that <laughs> is literally the synopsis of everyone's movie. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, um, what I do appreciate about the character of Jesse is I think it is important. It is just as important, obviously, because we're talking about Pride Month. It's just as important for people to identify with the fact that here's a character who is gay. Uh, obviously, he's not out yet in the, in the beginning of this film. But, you know, it is it presents something that a lot of people maybe up until that point hadn't realized that, Hey, being gay doesn't exactly make you someone of the opposite sex or gender or whatever. It's not a character trait either. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, yes, I am a normal person who looks and talks like everyone else in my neighborhood. And that, and there's nothing about me that, that is out of quote unquote, the ordinary you know, outside of the fact that people can't deal with the fact that I'm gay. Like that is, that is it. And it's like, why is this huge? Like maybe for people that aren't of a very patriarchal understanding or they don't come from a, uh, uh, they don't come from a background where it's like machismo and, and chauvinism really Mm -hmm. um, are such a big thing in your culture. It's like, if you go back and you look at anything and how the LGBT community, LGBTQ communities is portrayed specifically in Latin culture, specifically in Latino um, film and pop culture and everything, it is never a good look. It's always the butt of the joke. They are always hyper-feminized. They're always portrayed in a way that's seen as lesser because they're not seen as masculine. And that's the worst thing as a man that you could be. So already this this movie's breaking the social norms because it's presenting us a a young Hispanic character, a young Chicano that is, yeah, he's gay, but that's not the only thing about him. That's not the only thing we're supposed to, as an audience, supposed to get caught up on. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of intersectionality that takes place in this movie. Obviously, like that intersectionality is the point of the film. But um, but there's a lot of it that takes place in just that, you know, when I mentioned the difference between like L.A., you know, th- these L.A. Chicano movies to something like this is there's a lot of and, and I don't I've never lived in L.A. So I can't I can't provide any context or New York or anything like that, like I, to, to really know. But one of the things that I'm very well aware of is that in the Bay in, in our Bay Area, like it is. <laughs> there's a lot of black and brown, like, you know, like culture, like that just, that just goes through, like a lot of these characters are dressed like in what hip hop culture was at the time, right? The big old baggy clothes, which is, which has changed now. But yes, I dressed like Jesse when I went to watch this movie, like (laughs) the grills, dude, Uh, the grills brought me back. I was like, Oh, well, you know what? Grills are, grills are a thing that, that, we didn't see a ton here until about the mid two thousands, but you know that's in the South, like you know, specifically in the oh, yeah, it's huge there. In like they've always been like... there, and even now, like I mean, uh, grills and fronts and all that stuff, like that stuff is still around. You know, it's just not as like 
I know at least three people that listen to our show right now that own grills in their life. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's not something that's gone away, right? Like, it, but uh, but just uh, you know, I appreciate that this movie, like again, without stating it, without being too obvious about it, you know, to to people who are our age growing up around this time, specifically, like because of the way that these guys are dressed, because of how they talk and act and stuff like that, like. To us, who have our parents that come from different countries that moved into these predominantly black neighborhoods, when we've seen a lot of our, you know, black neighbors that have lived in where we are growing up, like to us, like that is, that's how Americans talk. So when you assimilate to American culture, that's why there's a lot of like, you know, that kind of, there's that urban Latin like you know, subculture that, that exists. So I definitely appreciate that. Uh, I think this movie where it, where it is a little dated and, you know, it's going to be dated in multiple ways, but I think where it is really a bit dated is, you know, the, the free use of the N word by, <laughs> by the characters in this film, which, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it as a piece. Oh yeah. There's now. a lot of non-black characters throwing the N word. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's be clear about this now. Like, I, I don't think, you know, we should not be using the N word and it, it's something that it's definitely a habit that we need to get rid of again, just because I'm making the point of the fact that, you know, that this urban subculture is something that is inherently American to us. I think that now in these years or in these times, like, now that we aren't the like young teen culture that's growing up and and generations after us like gen z are starting to kind of you know remind everyone hey you know it's not okay to do this and and reminding everyone of all the anti-black racism in our communities and stuff like that it's just it's just we are we are progressing past that the same way that we are progressing past the f word which is used as a gay slur in this film as well so uh, yeah, pretty much. Well said. Yeah. Thanks for but, sharing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, uh, the, the film, it's, it doesn't really have like a, I mean, it has a plot, but the plot is very bare bones and simple. You see Jesse. Well, it that, takes off really fast, right? Yes. Like it starts with uh, like the main, the main action is the, like the, the, the main thing that goes on is that Jesse's trying to live a secret life. Uh, where he's exposing himself to essentially the gay culture in San Francisco. Yes, um, which, which you know, again, San Francisco is like this. Like in one part of the city, it is this Latin ghetto, and then not that far away from there, it is Castro. And I love the 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 how easy it is to shift from one side of the city to the other. So I, I remember I asked you um you know i've been i've been to a couple couple bars in the castro i don't remember any shirtless bartenders and i feel, now i feel robbed i felt like that was an experience i could have had and i didn't yeah i've never been to i i don't know the castro nightlife unfortunately i couldn't tell you um i've been to the castro for for like like movies like i've gone to see movies at the castro theater and stuff like that and you know but i you know I, i'm just not 
just not that familiar with it. So I said it was pretty fun. Like I've gone, uh, I've gone bar hopping with a couple friends, you know, from like college, and it was. When I saw it, I was a little bit like, "Is this really what it's like, or am I like, or is this a little exploitative?" But then at the same time, I was like, "Exploitative." Yeah, but then at the (laughs) same time, I was also well. I thought it was a little exploitative. (laughs) At the same time, I was like, "Well, you know what? I've never been to any of these places in the Castro, so I couldn't." Like for all I know, it could be like this. <laughs> so it's you know, spoiler alert too. Like your gay friends are not your, <laughs> they're not your gay urban dictionary. They or like your gay Google search that you can do. Like, is this really what things are like there? It's just yeah, like, Google sometimes you just don't like, know. Just look it up. <laughs> but yeah, so, of course, Jesse gets drunk at this place, and w- to to be able to go to this club. He basically tells his dad that he's studying because obviously he's an honor student, so uh, so yeah, he's nerd. not going to be so he's not going to be joining him. But it's one of those things where where I feel like what I appreciate about it is that it does two things. One is it feels like Jesse is drifting away from his dad, just mm. in general, which is one of those things that happens when your kids grow up, which every father's got to get used to. Yeah, yeah, which I'm gonna go through at some point. Um, wow, Lummy well. Sion in the Goofy movie getting him ready for when, <laughs> when your kids finally leave your ass. But the other part of it too is it's also just, you know, it's also just showing how he's, you know, detaching in the way that he's discovering a different subculture that that his dad is just not going to understand, right? Like yeah, it's just definitely. because he will have never lived it. Not and just this, not understand, a refusal to understand. Yes. Like, just being so adamant not to learn about it. So they juxtapose their nights, right? So you have uh, Jesse go out with his boyfriend, a white guy, which I was surprised about. <laughs> yes, he, like the he, only white character in this film. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, the only white character you see in the entire movie is uh, Jesse's boyfriend. So he goes out, has a, has a night. They go dancing. They get pictures taken of them. Uh, someone gets pictures of them making out. Um, you know, they go and have they go and have their fun night. And then uh, Che goes out with his homies, which uh, are all pretty much like what over thirty, almost forty year old, like middle aged. No, we're talking over forty. Like these are these are older guys. So we got middle aged Chicanos that are super into the lowrider culture. Uh, You know, they're in yeah. There are a lot of car clubs in San Francisco. Before before I say something and get called out the way we did on the. I think it was the drift episode. I won't preface this by saying I have zero knowledge of car culture in San Francisco and lowrider culture in general. So I'm going to say that right now. I'm going to throw it over to Angel. You have a little bit more experience. I have a little bit more experience in that I know they exist. (laughs) And uh, I know, and, and, you know, like obviously. You know, I go, I go to San Francisco. I've been with my wife and stuff like that. And even like, I think not that long ago, we went and we were driving down Fisherman's Wharf. I don't remember what we were doing. Uh, we were, we were going to or away from somewhere. And as we were driving down uh, near Fisherman's Wharf, we saw a lot of those low rider cars that were coming by, and they all come by in a line just like they do in this film. And it's just, it, it is really neat. There's something just, you know, again, they're not going anywhere. They're literally just cruising up and down. Um, low and low, baby. Yeah. And and if you watch movies, like older movies, like Boulevard Nights from the 70s and stuff like that, you know that this is just like a, it is a part of uh, of these cultures. And these, and these car clubs, like, again, they're still in the city. 
Like I, I the only one I the only one I really know is there's one called San Francisco Lowrider Council that they mm-hmm. do a lot of they do like shows the car shows like near uh, City College of San mm-hmm. Francisco and and even now like they're also doing a lot of charity events uh, where they're providing food for people uh, mm-hmm. who've lost their jobs during, due to COVID. So they do my... they also do a lot of good in the communities that they're in. I know a friend of mine, she used to be, uh, she actually was a mission girl. She grew up out there too. And I remember she, yeah, she was telling me that there, you know, the lowrider culture is huge out there. And um, the, the, the danza too, the danza steca, which we'll talk a little bit about mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's actually really cool to see how it's authentic. And it's, you know, all, all I can say is that if you were in a different age, you probably would totally be in one of these like car clubs. Oh, uh, you know what? I wish these. <laughs> I, I when I was watching this with my wife uh, for this pot for this episode, like I was like, God, I wish I could live in like not even just Chase's house. I wish I could live in his garage. Like his garage <laughs> is like the coolest fucking place ever. Because yes, garages in San Francisco are like this. They are tiny where it's like the ceiling is short, like you barely fit a car in there and just like the amount of stuff that he has in there. Like he has the 24th and mission, uh, you know, uh, plates from the street, <laughs> the street sign plates on there. And uh, like movie, po- like Godfather movie posters. Well, the other part is- It's like Angel's has- uh, dream. Angel's, Angel's yeah. <laughs> dad heaven. <laughs> Except the only part is I don't know like goddamn shit about cars, but maybe get if a, I was into cars, it's this is what I'd want my man cave to look like. <laughs> we can get you a heavy bag and you punch it and it swings too far and hits you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know it's yeah, it, it definitely definitely love uh, love the way that works. But yeah, I mean as he's as he's driving on this uh, as they're going on this cruise, like Che is telling his friend. Uh, which one of the friends it is they all they all really kind of blend together uh, even they though are like, all... <laughs> i love all the characters i really do <laughs> but i think it's benny who he's talking to but I, as much as i love all the characters like they all kind of blend together <laughs> at some point <laughs> they do and pretty much if it's not renee and if it's not d who's uh kevin michael richardson who's yeah. uh che's uh sponsor they all are interchangeable. Like yeah. I hate saying it. But yeah, no, where he basically just talks about he asks his friend, you know, if the reason Jesse's gonna go to UCLA, which that's where he's gonna go next semester. This he's just as he's a senior in high school right now. Um mm-hmm. he's asked the reason he's gonna go to UCLA is because he wants to leave him, you know. And and I guess that's just how he's feeling. He's feeling again, like he is feeling the distance that is starting to grow between him and his son. He just has no idea that it's because his son is you know homosexuality is 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 to come out is really what's causing some of this stuff to happen you know Um, funny enough that is a very common that that's a very common thing in our households i think is is that feeling of parents being like is it my fault are they trying to get away from me sort of thing because i remember when i was i remember i got a letter from mit like that was slightly interested this was before i before i made myself stupid with alcohol um <laughs> like <laughs> like i remember i got a letter from mit and i was super juiced about it because i was thinking oh man it would be great to go it would be great to go to boston you know 
uh, I would love to live on my own and stuff like that. And I remember my dad like legit got in a little bit of a depression because of it, because he was like, he had to confront the fact that I was, you know, I was getting excited about maybe going across the country. And mm-hmm. he and he asked me. He goes, "Are you trying to like leave us?" And I'm like, "No." I'm like, "It's am I fucking T? It's a great experience. It's gonna be a great chance." And then I was like, "Oh wait, we're broke. Never mind." <laughs> anyway, after this night that Jesse has gone out with his boyfriend um, Jordan, uh, he comes he comes home. Well, he's he's been home when Che gets home, and he's very clearly been drinking because there's like <laughs> beer bottles all over the place. Been <laughs> there, buddy. And, and you know they, they they go into this a little bit later, but Che is a recovering alcoholic, so it's clearly not his alcohol that's there. Oh shit! I didn't even think about why that was bad because I did remember thinking it was weird that uh that the next morning Jesse was like, "Oh, Dad, I forgot the beers." I'm like. Like your dad cares, and then I'm like, oh yeah, he's a recovering alcoholic. Yeah, it's his dad is gonna care about this very much. So you know that's the first sign of. But to him, it's like you know he looks at it more as a boys will be boys moment at first when he's seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once but he finds yeah. boys being boys, <laughs> is he ends up looking through uh, the polaroids. He looking, yeah, he looks through these polaroids. Which you know, so, boys and girls like you know of Gen Z who listen to this show. There was a time like this movie really is catching us. Like the this like the year before, to like two thousand eight is when the iPhone came out. Like people were still on Blackberries. Uh, flip Remember the sidekicks? Were, Everyone loves sidekicks back in the yeah, day. Yeah, flip phones were on the way out. Like people only use phones to text or call. Like we did not use phones to do everything else that we do on the internet now. So yeah, we is... didn't have porn at the palm <laughs> of our hands. Okay, we had to work for that shit, <laughs> and we didn't post like pictures. You know, we didn't post pictures of everything that. Well, we did, but you needed to have a camera to do that because your phone <laughs> just your phone did not have the resolution that like would make it look decent. It was so pixelated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my god, fucking dog shit. So yeah, of course. The, so the Polaroids he finds are of Jesse being but, you know, this, you know yeah, but this guy out. is like all over him, and and they're all over each other because they're obviously two people who love each yeah. other. Stupid. Yeah. Like I mean, they obviously have a sexual relationship. This movie tells you that uh, right away. <laughs> oh, the part where Jesse like where they have where he uh when he like you know they confront he confronts Jordan. The movie makes you think, oh crap, like. Is he gonna rob this kid? Yeah, I was like, damn, I was like, his son is gangster. Like And then they start making out, and I was I'm sitting there watching these two young men make out with my 60-year-old Mexican father who I'm learning is conservative. <laughs> and I was like, it, it couldn't you could hear pins fucking drop. Dude. Yeah, I mean, like this again, this people I, I think to to an extent, especially people in our culture. They, they hadn't seen much like this because in my screening when I watched this, like I heard, oh, like, like, like I heard people making audible sounds <laughs> like of gas. surprise when it was happening. And, you know, you like, can hear monocles pop out of eye <laughs> sockets and people going, what's all this then? The next day, like, you know, after Che has found all of this, the next day he's, he's in the garage talking to his friends. 
and he's just uh, being a dick the whole time they're just like hey shay how are you doing he goes i'm fine fuck you yeah he's like being an he's being a total asshole to all of his friends um they they see jesse walk by and they and they were they're hoping he gets better from his e coli (laughs) because because like jay lies to them the night before they're cruising and said that jesse can't join them because he's got food poisoning um, Immediately, food poisoning turns to E. coli. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which E. coli wasn't like in the in the mid aughts. Like there was like a thing where people were afraid of E. coli, like a lot. <laughs> like yeah, people to the were point afraid where, of romaine lettuce. Yeah, where like I think George Lopez like even did like a sketch on it. Like that's how that's how much people were talking about E. coli. <laughs> oh God! But so, um. Yeah, Jesse is trying to go to school. Um, Chase, I don't think he's going to school. He just looks like he's going to a store or something. Oh, you're right. You're right. He says, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to the store. He goes, no, you're not going inside real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes and he confronts him straight up about the pictures. Doesn't try to really, like, beat around the bush and just said. And it's just crazy, like, how too hard Che takes it. Because he says, you know, who, you know, he, he shows, he, he says, I saw the pictures. He goes, um, why is he treating you like his Mexican bitch? Yes. Which, you know, let's be hung down your throat. I was like, Oh Jesus. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, the, the anti-gayness of this is like, that's one part of it. But then there's another part of it that does make it a little bit complicated because on top of the fact that Jesse is engaging in a, in, in a, you know, homosexual relationship with his boyfriend. He's also engaging in an interracial relationship, which, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's a yeah. whole nother other set of problems. Yeah. And specifically more, more so at this time in the city's history, like there was a lot more like, you know, there was a lot more separation between races in these neighborhoods. Now you go to the mission and it's, it's most white people and whatever Latin people are left. But at mm-hmm. this time, like, you know, th- there was still, like, the main, you know, the the main people that were living in these neighborhoods were Latin people. So you knew that a white guy was from a different part of town. Um, it, it's to, to people in our parents' age group, you know, they considered, they're, you know, like, and still do. Like, there's, there's a lot of our parents and, and older people in our family that consider homosexuality you know, being trans, like just LGBTQ, like in general, they consider it being something that people learn from white people in this country. Mm-hmm. And I think it just like, it, it's just completely negating the fact that there are plenty of gay people that like lived in this, in the cities, towns, villages that they grew up in, in their home countries. No, nah, that didn't exist back there, man. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like this, there's, it's another thing where like our, our parents for as, for as great as it is that they brought us here and stuff like that, there's a lot of ideas that they still have that are very colonized from their old countries. Oh, definitely. And, and so, yeah, so I do, I don't, I don't understand his raging anger boner over like Jesse making out with a guy, but I kind of understand his concern about the fact that, you know, Jesse is dating a white person no, I totally get the concern of him. <laughs> making, making yeah. Like, I get it because it's a very, again, it's it's the whole, it goes back to the whole machismo, and, and it's going back how in, specifically in, in, in a lot of Chicano culture, it's very much like being feminine is lesser 
for whatever reason. Can't explain why. It's just how the patriarchy works, you know? Well, look at Jesse's friends and look at all the people in the neighborhood. Like, there's a lot of, like, ultra-macho-like guys that are in these neighborhoods who macho culture oh it's hyper masculine and that's hyper masculinity on and then on top of that just the hyper masculinity that comes from our parents countries that they lived in like obviously jay is someone who who if he is chicano like he was born in this country and most and everything that he knows is from growing up in this country but at some point in that family tree maybe the generation before jay like there was a lot of hyper masculinity that just came from the fact that they came from catholic conservative countries that were colonized already mm-hmm. and so they get into it as in jesse and shay um they start getting into shouting match jesse just pretty much like comes out to his father um which gets a huge rise out of shay and they end up fighting oh yeah they, he's smacking the, the shit out of him first and they start beating the sh- yeah. He starts slapping. He starts slapping um, Jesse around. Chase starts slapping Jesse around, um, which finally comes to a boiling point, and Jesse defends himself. And they just start throwing hands like the, the you know the he like Chase kicks Jesse out of the house. He throws him out. Uh, he literally throws him out the door. Um, and then that's where Chase or that's where Jesse like tackles Chay and they just start going to blows on the ground until Lena comes up and pretty much separates uh comes between the two and stops the fight um and during this time Jesse moves in with his who I'm assuming is his godfather it was mm-hmm. Renee right yeah Renee, it was Renee. His, he calls Renee. him his uncle mm-hmm. he moves in with him during uh, he moves in with him uh and his wife and his family and he pretty much stays the rest of the semester with him Mm, not quite but but he does but he does stay with them for a few days um is it a few days i don't remember yeah we'll, we'll, I don't we'll get that's into... the other thing time is kind of weird in this movie yeah well, it feels it... like <laughs> i don't know if it's supposed to be months or weeks that happen. <laughs> yeah but no uh, right so you know unfortunately this is the thing it's very hard to like jay because jay is for all intents and purposes outed his son unwillingly in front of everyone in the neighborhood oh my god that is such i was telling my dad that after we watched the movie i'm like you gotta remember everything that happens from then on is all of those as a result of jay outing his son in yeah. front of the entire neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, like it is. It, it's one of the things that's good because look, again, this movie doesn't tell you, but you know it that his boyfriend does not go to Mission High School with him. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jesse. Completely different worlds. Yeah, Jesse has different friends. Jesse is in a completely different neighborhood, and this guy might be in a more accepting, liberal, rich, gay, you know, gay, you know accepting white family on the other side of town, but that's not going to fly where Jesse is. And the fact that his dad essentially, <laughs> essentially didn't really give a shit about him enough to, to out him in that way. Like I, you know, it, he will never understand the harm that he did to him just by that. Jesse gets taunted, bullied. People try to start fights with him at school over mm-hmm. his sexuality uh, someone spray paints uh, the F word on his uh, on the garage on um, on uh, what's it called on on Sh- on uh, Che's garage right mm-hmm. um, and 
like I'm trying to remember what was the other thing. Oh yeah, there's there's that bully dude. The I don't even know if I can call him a bully because he, he was more of a sociopath. <laughs> he is a sociopath. <laughs> but there's that there's that gang dude that keeps coming around and just he's constantly just harassing. He's constantly harassing um, Jesse and just gu- always giving him shit. And he's threatened and he threatens Che too. Always talk. Always uh, just you know speaking. Are always saying something offensive about Jesse whenever he gets a chance, and eventually. Well, know, the funny thing is, even before then, like he is one of the kids in the back of the bus at the beginning of the movie when when Che goes back there. So this guy is clearly an instigator. Period. Um, he walks around the neighborhood like he owns it because obviously he's involved in something where he, you know, carries a gun and he is not afraid to impose his authority over others because he carries a weapon it was yeah it, it and it's all like the entire time i'm watching this i'm just like this is all chase fault like, yeah. and and you know what part of it could be as well is i mean this this movie could also be making some sort of commentary in that Chase is having a harder time dealing with it because jesse's mother isn't around um mm-hmm. so in so the way that we really kind of get to know Lena in this story is that Lena does become the surrogate pair, the surrogate other parent in a way, because we need someone who's going to be a polar opposite from Che. Che is very old world, conservative, Catholic, and Lena is very much, you know, someone who is pro women's rights, pro LGBTQ, and um, has you know, without without telling you at this point in the movie, she's someone who has dealt with abusive lovers and deals with women who have been dealing with abusive lovers, uh, you know, in in these shelters that she's worked in. So so she kind of, you know, is the person that Jesse ends up kind of leaning on a little bit in that he feels like he can talk to her about certain things that he cannot talk to his dad about. But yeah, he does go away with Renee for a few days um, while he is gone. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Before, uh, mm-hmm. I was thinking about something. Uh, before you move on real quick, um, just talking about Lena's relationship with both uh, Che and Jess. Uh, Jesse, sorry. Um, yeah, like you were saying, he, he she stands in as the surrogate um, surrogate mother for Jesse, but also like it's really interesting how how Shay just kind of like forces her into the role of his emotional caretaker as well. <laughs> like you know because of the whole machismo thing, because of the whole hyper masculinity that this guy grew up around, it is not common for men to talk about their emotions. It is not common for us to, especially in uh, Latin circles, to be able to have those open conversations about what's going on in our head and how our feel, because that's weak and that's seen as less than, right? It's but also it's- not uncommon for people in our culture to look at their partners as their emotional crutch. Exactly. And it's like you always chart, like you always make a woman in charge of your emotional labor. And, and that's and that's not even just a Latin thing. Like I think you and I even oh, talked that's a about thing. <laughs> yeah. Like you and I talked about that when we were back talking about Five Hundred Days of Summer last year. <laughs> in yeah. that, like we were dealing with the main character who essentially projected all of the things that he wanted onto another character, while completely negating the fact that she's a human being who has needs of her own, 
or wants mm-hmm. of her own. And um, again, like like we said, Che is right away, as soon as someone tells him something that he doesn't want to hear, he is someone who has a lot of control over, over his own life. And the moment that he feels that he's losing control, it's just not, doesn't work out for him. Um, I do appreciate the fact that this movie treats his recovery from alcoholism in a way that's that's realistic in that d is his sponsor he's one of his best friends um and his sponsor goes to check on him while he's having a rough time and had just heard about what happened right Mm -hmm. so um you know it it, it, that part of it is very realistic and che is you know going back and forth on whether or not he should drink uh when he finds this out but once Renee does come back to see Che again, mostly to collect things for Jesse, um, they have a they have a really great conversation. And this is one of the better scenes in this film. Uh, is when he's sitting there talking to Renee. Um, I hate comparing it because of because of how much we hated the room. But when Renee comes in with the basketball, all I can think of is when they came in with the football and started to have <laughs> conversations. No, but you know what? But Renee, but Renee looked like he was dressed up to go to go hoop right after. Yeah, because they immediately do go play basketball. Like, they're not. They're not playing. They're they're not sitting around with a basketball and tuxedos. So I'll not compare it to the. Room. Oh my god! If they had tuxedos for this scene. <laughs> But getting back to the seriousness of this moment. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> How anybody could look at anything in this film and relate it to the room, I will never understand. But congratulations, sir. You're welcome. That's right. Both of them take place in San Francisco. Fuck you. There's so many like direct parallels I can draw. This is basically a spiritual sequel to the room. Oh, oh my god this is going off the rails <laughs> no but the, the conversation that renee and uh and and che have is really good in that che basically asks renee you know if if this is a punishment that he's receiving from god because of all the things that he did and renee is um, you know renee is the male character who is more in touch with his life and and i think the reason why i said you know, that maybe he's, that maybe Chase having a harder time with it because he's alone and not with his wife is you get the impression that Jesse, because I mean that Renee, because he is with his wife and they seem like they have a very good relationship where they communicate with each other, that it's just, it's, he comes around to this stuff in a way that Chase cannot. Um, because he, obviously he knows that, that, that uh, Jesse is gay and he doesn't seem to have a problem with it. Um, Che does remind him that the reason why he doesn't have a problem with it is because it's not his son, which I don't think is incorrect. I think even if it's someone who's as liberal as, you know, as I am, when you find out that that your child is gay, I think there is going to be something where it's difficult at first because you don't understand it. You know, it is something that you just don't understand. But I think where the mistake that a lot of people make is, is that they not only do they not understand it, but they feel like they never will. So they never try to and they never, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing. It's like it's, it's I think you and I talked about it at another in another episode of the show where it's not wrong to, to be a shitty person with shitty opinions sometimes as long as you can admit when you're being shitty. You yeah. Know? And, <laughs> and I oh no, go ahead. Yeah. And I think that's that's what you need to do. But. I also think that the wrinkle in Renee's character that's great and 
you know, I have a, it's even, I, I couldn't get over it when, when he talked about it. it was his son was born with some sort of birth defect or was very ill when he was growing up. And, mm-hmm. and he tells Shay the story about that when his, when his son was a baby, obviously his son is older, so he survived, thank goodness. But he tells a story about when his son was a baby and how he couldn't even hold him and how he considered that stuff to be, to be like a his curse punishment. on him yeah. or his punishment from God. And, and, you know, thankfully it gets to the point where he talks about how things got so bad at one point with his son where all he said, you know, cause he was talking about, I didn't even want to hold him because, you know, of all the stuff that was going on and, and I, I couldn't get out of my own head to think about his well being. And um, at the end where he talks about how by, by the time things got really bad, all I ever wanted was for him to get better so I could hold him again. And, and that was got like, down on his knees and just prayed that his little boy would survive. And it's, yeah. it's a really pow- like it's, it's such a matter of fact conversation, but it's such a powerful message, right? Yes. It's the movie. It's the movie literally talking to our parents and us telling us, you know, like that, that it's just, yeah, it, it's you're, this is going to hurt. It's going to be difficult for you to deal with this because you don't understand what it is, but you know, you're going to reach a point at some, uh, specifically with people in our culture who they lose relationships with their kids over this, mm-hmm. where they just never establish relationships with their kids over this ever again. And it's like, think of all the things that you're missing out on. And, and that's, that is hard. That is more heartbreaking than anything. So this obviously gets to Che because Jesse ends up coming like, you know, he invites next, him back. Yeah. Yeah. Because the next scene after that is, is where Che is in the garage, uh, still drawing the, uh, you know, he's still doing something with the cars in the garage and Lena comes in and that's where she had the issue with her bicycle. Where it was like, oh, he broken. was drawing the uh, the Virgin Mary, the, yeah, uh, the brown Sh- Virgin Mary, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, 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 yeah. So like you were saying, that there's uh, oh, and so he has the he has like the local. <laughs> I don't even know what to call them because they're not kids. They're just like you know, seventeen, eighteen year old, like just kind of hang around. Dudes. What is the local kids? They're like I mean, they're there are other people in the neighborhood who you see the kids as backgrounds that, in lots of scenes. <laughs> but they're like kids, but it's like they're also the freaking almost adults that <laughs> just kind of go around and like talk to all the people in the in the neighborhood. But uh this is where um where uh where Ch- where Chase starts talking to them about uh their indigenous roots, right? Mm-hmm. Um talking about how um how those that grew up in Mexico and originally came from Mexico were, were more than just Mexicans. They come from uh, the, the original Aztec tribes from the Mexica tribe, the Mayans and like the importance of knowing your, knowing your origin to kind of like help create a cultural identity. And I remember that was something that I used to think was so like I would roll my eyes about it and I would be like, Oh my God, this shit again. Like, well, you know what it is to me is it's basically like the Latin version no, of no, ho- no, no. Hotepery to me. In <laughs> some ways. Hotep memes? <laughs> well, because, because you know, I mean, I respect the cultural, what I like about this is that it really does tell you that Che is complicated in that, he is very anti-colonialism in this way, 
where he but is he very upholds in it touch. in other ways <laughs> exactly and that is perfect again this movie doesn't give you simple answers to certain things and and i appreciate that but it's just one of those things where you're like yeah it's how ironic is it that that you're so decultured that you're so decolonialized in this way but again you're you're upholding a patriarchy in another way <laughs> yeah. you're about to do that um so he ends up meeting up Lena. He kicks the kids out of the. He kicks the kids out of the uh, out of the garage, and she brings in her her bike. Um, and she was talking. Oh no, it's uh, her 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 bike wheel gave out. So he grabs it, and he's like, "I'll fix it for you, no problem." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, later in the movie, we see that he, he not only fixed it, he gave it like a fresh paint job and like fixed the frame for. Her. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave her like I forgot what else. Like <laughs> gave her like a basket or something. <laughs> he just yeah. like tricked it out, right? And, and it gives like, her like the fuzzy dice and all that's that. That's what too. it was, the fuzzy but, dice. But yeah, that's where he like uh, describes to her how he and Jesse were both in the cars growing up, and where he basically bought car parts every single time Jesse brought an A home, and that's how they put together the purple car that's in his garage, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's an interesting story. It tells you, again, it tells you that the less Jesse gets into not just being around his dad, but less into the car culture and becomes more of his own person and kind of grows into, you know, the more, you know, where he's going, it's just disconnecting him more from his dad because his dad is just like, you know, like all of us are. It's like we we look fondly at the points and times when we were growing up and we wish that it can be those times forever and we don't really evolve with the times in some ways. Yeah, and we just kind of get caught up on that. But yeah, Renee comes back. They they try to have a dinner together. I mean, Renee. Jesse's back. They try to have dinner together. Um, and it seems very quiet and awkward at first. And, and, you know, now that they've had some time to decompress, like, Jesse's, like, honest with them and says, look, he goes, for what it's worth, he goes, I didn't want you to find out this way. And, um, you know, and, and Jesse's really trying. He's really trying with him. And I guess Shay is really trying too, but Shay just cannot put it together. And <laughs> even goes goes back to, I think, man or, you know, God made man or a woman or, and a woman for a oh, reason. He made the whole fucking It's hard because, argument. yeah, again. And I'm just like, no, stop. Yeah. Well, the problem is that, again, this is the ignorance of, 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 this is Shay's ignorance towards someone who's gay. Like, it's just the fact where, like, to him, it, it is, which one are you? Are you a man or a woman? And it's like, I know. It's like, if you're not one, then you have to be the other. And it's like, it, it's such the, the, the closed-mindedness. It just, it makes you cringe so hard. Because... And the closed-mindedness to what it means to be a man. Yeah, and wow. it's crazy. It's crazy because I, it was like, oh my god, I knew this guy. I was this guy at one point, and it, and in that sense, as like you know, a, a Latino male, it really does kind of bring back that whole, uh, you know, the narrow world view that you know we might have shared at one point. You know, it really helps call into that in the question. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like uh i'm just there's sometimes where i just look at shay and i'm just like you just don't get it dude <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that's and, and 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 your heart breaks for jesse because you know it's like there's nothing that jesse has done to just like 
to deserve <laughs> to deserve what he's getting. But what's good about the fact that it presents it this way is that this is what it's like for people when they come out. Like mm. when people in our culture and when people in general, but especially when people in our culture are coming out to their parents, you know, like it's, this is what they're going through. Mm. And, um, and it's heartbreaking and your heart not only breaks for the character of Jesse because you care about him, but it breaks because how many Jesse's do you have as friends like growing up and stuff like that? Like, again, Mm -hmm. it feels personal. Like this movie to us, because we are Hispanic because we live in the same area. Like this is very personal um, to us and and it feels that way. So it's, it's, it's difficult to, to put those things together for sure. Um, Shay and Lena continue developing a really good relationship and and at least for this portion of the movie it looks like things are getting better between them uh, yeah but- this is the upswing right because it's like Lena and Lena and Shay are, are, are kind of like they have this budding romance yeah. Jesse and Shay are finally on talking terms and it's like slowly but surely they're developing a relationship yeah it's the like- problem with it is that the reason why things are starting to get better is because Shay has all but told Jesse to repress <laughs> to repress any <laughs> talk right. of him actually being gay the classic <laughs> Latino trope of if we don't talk about it, it, it doesn't, doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, that is the difficult part of it. But I mean, you see that things change in that by the time we get to the scene of Lena, you know, going cruising with them, Jesse is joining them that night. And one of the only reasons why she ends up going is because she knows Jesse's going to be there. And that scene is awesome, by the way. Uh, I love, it is my favorite scene in the movie because, not just because of the song, but it's an awesome I was about to say, was it because of the song? The the song is awesome, but just the scene in general is awesome because uh, it's, it's, while, while the song is playing. uh, It's just a feel good moment. Yeah, they're driving, this is a moment where much like the beginning of the film, you're driving and appreciating the neighborhood of the mission in San Francisco. So you have the dude that's selling uh, that's selling flowers. He he comes up to Lena while they're at a stoplight and gives her a flower. You know, you get to see all like the the residents of the mission. You get to see the street signs. You get to see the landmarks. Like it's really cool. Again, it's it, in a way, it's a love letter to. It's a story about people that live in the area as much as it is like a love letter to the area itself. You know. Yeah, so, and then after. Yeah, after that, the next the next time you you see kind of Che, you see Che and uh, Jesse interact. He's coming home from work. Um, he's asking you know Jesse if he wants to go out to have dinner, and they go they go to Taqueria, which La Taqueria is an actual Taqueria in San Francisco on the mission. And mm-hmm. if you are ever in San Francisco, you just you have to go there at least. Go, once. you bastards! Fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Well, I mean, you know, once good, but let that get is like the OG. Once, once COVID is over, of course. Nah, support local businesses. Well, support local businesses, but nobody's like, gonna be traveling into a city that they don't know. <laughs> yeah, travel into a city you don't know. Ask the first person <laughs> for directions. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So Shay ends up going on his own because he asked Jesse, you know, if he wants to come with him. Jesse says no because he's going out. And he goes, well, who are you going out with? And Jesse gets really quiet and says, you didn't want to hear about it, remember? 
Ooh, and then Shay like gives him the dang. response. Shay tells him, "You're right, I don't." And ends up walking out and leaving. Yeah, he's such a cock. I he's swear. a fucking dick. He's a really hard character to like, especially in this middle part of the film. Oh my god! So it's like at this part, I forgot what Shay ends up doing that night. But uh, Jesse goes out with Jordan. They have a, you know, they, they, I, I don't think it really shows their date, no. uh, but. They're they're leaving where they they were leaving wherever they were doing on their way on their way back to the car they actually get confronted by one of, by the gang dude again that keeps trying to make Jesse's life a living hell. This asshole is everywhere. He, he is. Oh my god, he literally is, and he's doing, <laughs> he's doing the thing we all did at that age, just fucking smoking blunts, driving around the city. The city is smaller than most other cities, but it's not that small. Like the, it's it's not, it, you're it, not gonna it, run into him all the time. You're, you're not gonna keep running into this guy all the time. But I do find it funny that he just like happens to run into Che and Jesse like all over the place. It's like, he's like this movie's Debo. Like he just he is. He is. I love I love this actor by the way. I mean he hasn't done much outside of this, but he's done at least one. I'll get into it to go on a tangent again, but one yeah. of the videos that I've seen him in was he does a reenactment of a, of a man named Alex Nieto, who mm. I think we probably could talk about it because Alex Nieto is from the Mission District in San Francisco. Um, he was a guy who worked as a security guard um, in, and in 2014, he was gunned down by the San Francisco Police Department. Mm. And uh, he was killed in a park i don't remember which park it was in the city but um <laughs> the police officers uh apparently so apparently someone had called the police saying that he had a weapon but he had a weapon because he was obviously a security guard and the security guard <laughs> and the the police when they showed up they ended up shooting him because they thought he was brandishing his weapon in front of him and what he was actually doing was eating a burrito <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is like oh, tragic man. and I know a ton of people who knew this guy, and mm-hmm. uh, his 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 death made national news uh, in mm-hmm. the mid 2010s. And you know, when we talk about the things that are going on right now with police brutality and Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, let this be a lesson to any of us who you know who don't already know. But there was also the murder of a uh, of a of another security guard um, in West Compton like a couple days ago, 18 year old mm-hmm. kid. Uh, by police, by LAPD, um, just a couple days ago. Um, so it's like, you know, these aren't exclusively black issues. We are, mm-hmm. as uh, you know, say would say, we are we are all brown, right? So it's it's it, it affects all of us. Maybe not to the same degree, but let's not forget about these things. And I and and so this this character who plays uh, Smoke, which I guess is what he's like listed at in the movie. Oh, so I can stop calling him just the gang dude. <laughs> well, they also call it, like you also see that his name is Alex. I think uh, at the end of the film. Yeah, but uh, smoke. So smoke and he's the guy that just like wants to make Jesse's life a living hell. Yeah. So they drive up on uh, Jesse and Jordan, and immediately just starts, you know, just talking shit, just picking on anything just to make to to make Jesse feel like shit, like trying to start a fight. Jordan um, accuses Smoke of having kind of like some hidden 
homosexual tendencies because he's constantly coming after Jesse about his homosexuality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, of course, there's that scene where uh, Smoke's friend's like, hey, I think he called you gay, fool. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> that is that is the one part of this movie where it's like, <laughs> I'm going to say it this way, your white boyfriend should probably know better. Like, I mean... Like, Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> no, mind his damn business. Yeah, it's but like yeah, it's a, it's it, a good yeah. point. Like, it, well, that's in. the thing. It's like again, this is a sheltered guy from another part of town, like we've said before, that has no idea of how even gay people are treated in yeah. other communities. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you were lucky enough and blessed enough to be accepted for you know who you are. That's not the same for Jesse, you know. Yeah. And Jesse ends up paying the price. He gets shot twice by Smoke. Smoke visibly affected at having shot somebody. Like, kind of, like, goes into this weird kind of, like, trance. Like, doesn't know how to react. Until his friend kind of shakes, not shakes him, but, like, you know, gets him out of it and tells him to get in the car. They drive off. Uh, That's pretty much the last time that we see him in this film. Yeah, you don't see And that's pretty much it for them the rest of the movie. Jordan ends up calling the calling the cops, um, or get, calls him an ambulance. They they end up getting him to the hospital. He is um, at, and now it's called Zuckerberg Hospital, uh, like the Zuck. But but this is uh, this is General. This is San Francisco General Hospital. Which, Half uh, our family was born. There. I was born there. This is the hospital that I was born in, and this is the hospital I used to go to up until like I think I was four years old. So nah, I was born in Highland, baby. <laughs> so it's just like yeah, again, it is. Our friend works there. We have a, fr- a friend of the show that works there. Shout out to him. I'm not gonna put his name out though, but he's a rad dude. <laughs> yeah, it's again, it's it's whatever. But yes. Another place that I that I recognize, but he's taking. I mean, general. we shouldn't be so excited about it because it, the whole reason we're there is because someone got shot. But, yeah. but, but yeah, you just, know, when you see the establishing shots and stuff like that from the outside, uh, I, yes, I remember that hospital. <laughs> Angel got very excited. He goes, "I was born there." Yeah. <laughs> you know nostalgia, I mean? nostalgia, <laughs> <laughs> nostalgia after seeing someone almost die. <laughs> but yeah, so, no, it's 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 Che is there looking out for him. Um, it's you know he and Lena like sleep together at some point here. Yeah, um, pretty much they're they're trying to help Jesse on his road to recovery. Um, they really bond like Lena and um, Shay. Lena and Shay like really bond over kind of trauma, like shared trauma. Yes, um, and you find out that you know that it didn't tell you before, but. It kind of hinted it uh, that she wasn't in an abusive relationship before because when he's with her naked, you see that she has like bruises and like lashes all over her body. Yeah, she has a bunch of scars. Um, so yeah, and, they end up- and another thing. Well, besides that, like I, I also appreciate this film for doing something that doesn't normally happen in a lot of films and should happen more times in other movies. Is that this movie really does? You know, it presents its uh, main character's love interest, who is a dark-skinned black woman, and it presents her as you know she is beautiful. Like the the can't like the way the camera like focuses on her, the way the story focuses on her. Like it's important for us to mention this is that a lot of movies don't do that, mm-hmm. and I think and I think more movies should do this, where where 
you know, you, you present, you know, black women, women in such a way, because even, even though now we're, we're more used to seeing more black characters, actors, creators that are, that are putting together film projects and stuff like that. One thing that we're not, that we don't see of very often and what does make this movie really interesting and awesome to watch is that yes, non-white characters are the stars of your film, but it is also presenting a uh, dark-skinned black woman as a very beautiful character uh, who is the object of, um, uh, you know, the main character's desire in a way kinda, that doesn't occur in film. Kind of plays into the whole uh, decolonization um, theme of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually that relationship gets soured when Che, unfortunately, is not able to let go of his machismo and his hyper-masculinity. And his homophobia. Um, he runs into Jordan on his way out of the hospital and confronts <clears throat> him and, and threatens him, threatens him to leave Jesse alone, um, puts hands on him in front. And, you know, Lena sees this right as she's coming off the elevator. She sees uh, Che pretty much choking uh, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't say a word. She just gets back into the elevator and like, we don't, I don't, do we see her again in this movie? Yeah, yes, we, do, we do, right? We mm-hmm. see her in like one more scene, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, this we is pretty much know. it. Yeah. This yeah, is this pretty, pretty much, much it. it. And she, dis- uh, she disappears for a little bit. Finally, Che gets a chance. He tries to explain himself to her. Um, but she, you know, like they had, the, they had this talk at back at her apartment. Uh, where she explains that Shay is just every other guy in her life that's ever used power and violence as a way to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Shay gets hurt hearing that. He kind of gets hurt being called out in that way. Right, and because we, he doesn't, he, he, he thinks of everything that he does as being a good father. Yeah, and, everything, everything to him is right. And it's yeah. like, he doesn't have that ability to step outside of himself and really see the, the, the situation he's in. And it's great that we have a character that is, that is looking from the outside and is able to tell him that what he is doing is emotional and physical abuse. And I love the scene where she's like, I'm done. She walks, she's, as she tries to walk away, uh, Che reaches, grabs her arm, and then like has that moment where he realizes what he's doing mm-hmm. and like lets go, right? And he lets her go. Yeah. Um, Oh man, because I, I think after that, um, that's the same. I think after that, that's when um, Jesse checks himself out of the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up moving in with Jordan. Um, well, not moving in, but he ends up staying with him for a while. <laughs> he, well, I mean, what would you call that then? Is that not moving in? <laughs> I would say staying with, if you just checked out of the hospital, you haven't moved in with somebody. You're just staying with them right now. If I was with you, I would throw you into <laughs> a glass coffee table because the explosion would look cool, but that's not here. Nor there. <laughs> so anyway, he ends up living with Jordan during this time, like during his recovery, uh, Shay, uh, Shay and Renee have been uh, restoring a, uh, I think it was a Chevy Impala. Mm-hmm. And they end up giving it a night like a, a it's a burgundy. They give it a nice paint job. Uh, Shay actually does the the scene of uh, the Virgin Mary presenting herself to Juan Diego. I think is his mm-hmm. name yep. as an indigenous woman. 
uh, he paints that scene on the trunk um, or on the hood. I don't remember. Which looks fantastic, by the way. Like, I think it looks great. <laughs> the, oh, fact yeah. that, the fact that Jesse is going to be like, I was just like, man, that's, that makes me jealous. It's like, I mean, I love the cars in this movie. It's like you're driving, but I, I couldn't imagine like practically driving it because it's like, God, it's like you're driving a work of art. Like <laughs> what happens if you like, if it like rains or like a, a rock hits it on the highway and just fucks up the paint job. But <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. I'm like, that car is way too nice to give to a fucking 18 year old. <laughs> like me at 18, I would fuck that car up. <laughs> So they end up, um, you know, they end up making this, or uh, he ends up uh, working with Renee to kind of restore this car for Jesse. The idea is that that was going to be Jesse's graduation present, right? Mm. Um, so what ends up happening is that when uh, Jesse moves in with Jordan, I said it. <laughs> well, you also don't know if, if that's who he's been living with because we end up going into a time jump after the scene that, that where he is initially staying with Jordan and Che goes and it's kind of like, all right, this is your last chance. You're either not going to be gay anymore or you're going to come home with me. Are you done being gay? <laughs> you done being gay now? <laughs> and he's like, no, this is who I am. I'm staying. Yeah. Um, and it kind of doubles down. And then we get another time jump uh, pretty much to Jesse's graduation day. Yeah, where where Che doesn't go, he doesn't. You know, uh, Che gra- I mean, Jesse graduates from Mission High. Renee and his family are there. Uh, Jordan is there. Uh, <laughs> che isn't there. Jesse's friend is there. Who, like, I think I joked with you when we were are talking about Gummy Bear. I love yeah. Gummy Bear. <laughs> yeah, we were like laughing at Gummy because because what's it called? His <laughs> he kind of has an arc in the movie because the first time that you see him introduced with uh, Jesse. They're basically talking about that fine Asian girl that they're going to go see in the McDonald's on 24th Street. (laughs) And then then in the second scene, when you see him, like, and Jesse, like, thinks that he's, like, blowing him off because he knows that he's gay. And he finds out that the reason why Gummy is, like, not able to go with him is because he's, like, actually entertaining this girl now in his house. And then the third and final scene. Shut up! They were not entertaining. They were bumping uglies. (laughs) And then the, the the third time that they see him is when they both go visit him in the hospital, which, you know, shout out to Gummy, because we all need a friend like Gummy, like, who is like, all right, well, you're gay. Who cares? Like, you know, who I like the way he said it. He just goes, motherfucking beat goes on. <laughs> I love that, dude. He goes, motherfucking beat goes on. And yeah. it was just like, oh, but what if things were different? He goes, then they're different, whatever. Like, he, yeah, he just, like, he's not care. It's so, he's, like, he's, he's a laid back, like, just everyone would like to have a friend with him. And you're just like, all right, cool. We're like, at least Jesse has, like, him as a friend, right? The world <laughs> would be so much different if we had more gummy bears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my god! So they end up graduating from high school, um, and Jay ends up drinking. He ends up relapsing because you see that his house hasn't been is very unkempt, and he's very clearly been binge drinking for a while. He, he had that scene where he like destroys the uh, the car, destroys the car, the paint job, kind of fucks that up. In a drunken fit. Yeah, totally reminded me of the of the uh, I think the Jackie Chan Karate Kid because they have a scene like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know like but whatevs oh yeah wait that's there's a scene in regular in the f- original karate kid like that anyway um i digress but 
Yeah, he's pretty much just given up. Like, he's just completely relapsed. Um, he's drinking all the time. Uh, it takes unkept. him... It takes him going... Uh, so he's walking back from the liquor store getting alcohol. And it takes him walking through the neighborhood and stumbling on this, uh, you know, you know, like, okay, when someone dies in their neighborhoods, like that's what happens. The mo- the place where they were shot, we that's do usually where you'll see the vigil, right? We'll put so, flowers, we put, yeah. you know, we'll put drinks, we'll put stuff that, it, it's very much a, like a day of the dead altar that's kind of built around where the person died. Yeah, this um, is, this is like a very, uh, what is the best way to put it? It's a, um, it's a very <laughs> elaborate, like, <laughs> like vigil that they have set up there because they even have like the Aztec like dancers. This one's extra because they have the dance done this. Like. Yeah, which is like you know you're not. This isn't really what you're always gonna see everywhere, but but you know, hey, this is you know this not this same crew, but this kind of crew also did like a lot of the Black Lives Matter like rallies in San Francisco just a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. They were they were performing there as well. So these are yeah. But he goes there and then he sees that the vigil, the person that the vigil is for is actually Smoke, mm-hmm. um, who has now died, right? And uh, he sees the mother he sees Smoke's mother just completely inconsolable, just bawling her eyes out. And this uh, and that really that hit me. Because the part of it that made me see that is like you see his parents and he's obviously someone who's had a very good upbringing and has unfortunately chosen a very violent lifestyle to live. Mm -hmm. And all I could think of is imagine as a parent, you flee a country that has been ravaged by violence, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you have a kid that's born, has a life. They show pictures of, of him when he was a little kid. And you spend all that time raising this child just so that they could be lost. And you're like, mm-hmm. and I can only imagine that part of it as a parent is, what was the point of all of this? Not only is it survivor's guilt, it's the whole feeling like you failed. Yes, like I can't imagine what that feels like, and unfortunately, it's something that's all too common, you know. Yep. I saw so many when I was working at when I was working with youth. Like these were the stories I saw. These were kids that I saw that were born here. Their parents came, struggled, tried to make a life for themselves out here, and these kids are kind of like dicking around. Kind yeah. and it's like and I've and I've had friends that I know that have, that have been lost to violence as well. So yeah. it's like. You know, it's not something that's uncommon, but it's just it's, it's seeing it as a parent. Seeing it as yeah. a parent now, it's just like it hits in a way that is very different for me. Um, uh, for me, it hits the same as usual because I'm not. <laughs> but. <laughs> but yeah, but, um, it's like by this point, not only has Jesse graduated, but Jesse's already at UCLA, so it's like it's his first you know, semester. Yeah. So and so he, who knows if he's still with Jordan? But you know, he he's moved on with his own life at this point. I love that he's still keeping it bay as fuck. He's still wearing his chain. He's still well, you know, it's funny that <laughs> he's still I think wearing about, his tall tees. You know, I know a lot of people that like grew up like in the Bay Area and stuff like that, and and I, I'm sure there are people that do it, but I, I don't know. It's like I feel like when you grow up in in when you grow up here, everyone wants to go to Berkeley or everyone wants to go to to San Francisco State. You know, or a lot of the local schools. Not a lot of, not a ton of people want to go to UCLA. 
okay, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, guys from LA made this movie, so I'll I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> but yeah, when you're, you know, the, it, it 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 plays into the whole thing that secretly Jesse did want to get away from his dad. Yes, you know. <laughs> It wasn't so much that he wanted to get away from the mission or get away from his dad. He just, he didn't want to become the same type of people that are in the mission. You know? Well, yeah. Plus think about the fact that like, I guess when you're in college, like you really start to discover more of who you are because mm-hmm. you're now being exposed to people that come from all walks of life. Right. I mean, shit. I just said it myself. I was ready to pack my bags and go to Boston. And then I found out what a bunch of a trash fire Boston. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shot to fire. Bring it on Boston. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, I guess at some point, like Che just kind of, it finally hits him now that, uh, that, you know, seeing, seeing the visual for smoke, he realizes that, you know, if he, if he doesn't, He's going to lose his son. He's going to lose his son. He's already mm-hmm. lost his son in some ways. But the difference is that his son has not passed away. He is lucky that his son has made a full recovery from the, you know, the shooting mm-hmm. that, that happened. And it's like, if you don't go now, it's like you're going to risk losing them forever. And it's just, mm-hmm. the, it's the thing that happens in our cultures when people come out. And if you're not ready to accept the fact that they're gay, like think of the years and decades that go by where family members don't talk to each other. And that is a real tragedy because, you know, this life is short and you don't get a ton of years to, yeah. to, to so make things right. So it's awesome to see that once he has that epiphany moment, he gets in the, he gets in the Impala that he was going to give to, to Jesse and he hops on the 101. It was funny, like uh, that scene where he, he's driving down to LA. So he drives down to UCLA and that's how the movie ends, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm watching with my dad, and he goes, oh, he's driving through the 101. Yeah. Goes, so he must have gone to San Jose and then taken the 101 all the way down. I'm like, Dad, that's not important. <laughs> well, yeah, if you, were, if you were driving to L.A. from San Francisco, you would take the 101. Yeah, but we were, we were just – I was laughing because that's just how my, how my dad was kind of able to connect. Yeah. But, yeah, that was – Yeah, when I watched it with my parents, I just remember my mom, like, not being happy with how it ended because she wanted to see – she wanted to see what it looked like by the time he got there to see Jesse. And I'm like, it's actually kind of perfect the way it is. You really don't need to, like, you don't need much more. You don't need to see them get together again. You just need to know that he's at least going to actually fucking try this time. Uh, because, you know, it's like, what are you gonna, otherwise you're going to lose your kid if you're not. If, you, know? you don't know if they're actually going to get back together, but it's the potential that it could, you know? Yeah. So that's it. That was La Mission. So I think, uh, Angel? <laughs> I can hear your giant throbbing erection right now. Do you love this movie? Yes, of course I love this movie. I picked I picked this movie as one of the movies to review this month just because I knew I loved it so much. So, you know, it's very clear. Um, I think this movie is one of those movies that actually is in somewhat of a regular rotation to me because of all the reasons that I've talked about. This is probably the most obscure movie that we've ever covered in this podcast. We may not cover any other ones that are this obscure, but I think just given the fact that a it's pride month, a lot of the stuff that we've been dealing with in the world, it's just, it is important for us to remember how important it is to have representation of our own in these films, because a lot of the movies that we do on this podcast, specifically sci-fi action, superhero and stuff like that, like, they're white centric films. And even now there's a lot of black centric films, which is awesome. 
but you know that's not our culture as much as we appreciate the fact that that the spotlight is being given to non-white filmmakers and stuff it is important for us to get into you know it's important for us to have more of this type of representation and like i said earlier in the show there's no movie i've ever seen in my life that i feel like has captured my life or people that I know or just like my childhood like just all sorts of things I've never seen a movie that I've identified with so much even if I don't exactly identify with the characters in it you know Mm -hmm. so it was able to capture a lot of moments that you do identify with and that you did feel at home in I guess yeah yeah, you know, like I gotta agree this is a fantastic movie I will say it's not without its shortcomings Yes. There's a lot of people that I'm like, wow, this was your first time in front of a camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there, the acting is the acting is a little painful at times. They um, got the right actors for the right roles. Obviously, like they had people, the, like they they had enough of a budget to bring in people that were experienced for the roles that mattered. Mm-hmm. There was just a lot of people, like a little bit of the extras. You know, they it was a little bit of the Sam Raimi Spider Man extras, like people doing the most. Because again, if, when you're getting locals and you're getting people from the neighborhood to kind of be in your movie, like yeah, go ahead, act out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, show off. Well, the funny thing too is the cinematography. I also like the cinematography in this movie, and uh, the, the cinematographer for this film his name is Hiro Narita, and I don't know how much like I mean he hasn't done a ton of famous stuff, but among the movies that he's uh, done cinematography for are <laughs> Honey I Shrunk the Kids, <laughs> Star Wars Six. Um, but, and also I think most famously the Rocketeer. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so I definitely, I love the way that this film is shot. So I definitely wanted to shout out the cinematographer as well. I mean, yeah, it's a great movie. Like you said it yourself, this is a movie that not many people are going li- to, not, not many people are going to know. It, it's probably not going to like stand out to them. It's probably not even a movie that a lot of people are going to relate to. So you and I being a little bit of homers, like we are giving this movie a lot more love than say someone that's unbiased. Yes. But at the very this least, is a highly biased review. And I'm sure that somebody who is not us would be able to watch it and they would see a ton more flaws in it. But I think given the subject matter and just given what it covers, there's just, for us, there's just no way. Or it, it, it's, it's, there's no way we're not going to be biased about it. Yeah, but you know what? For if you like seeing, if you, if you, it's one of those movies that if you like Chicano stories, it's definitely worth checking out. Yes. If you like, if you're from the mission, it's definitely worth checking out. If you grew up in San Francisco, if you're from the Bay, like, it, it's authentic it's authentically a bay movie like you pointed out yourself it, it, it like the the like when we were texting about it yesterday talking about the soundtrack for this movie is like it's all bay area artists like it, well, it draws it's, from one of the best uh one of the best albums what was it 17 reasons yeah 17 reasons 17 reasons was a predominantly like bay area latin hip-hop movie i mean uh, uh album and it, it featured a lot of the black and Latin artists that are, that are in San Francisco and even in the areas like Vallejo and Oakland. Like, yeah, like Baby Bash is on the album, Maggie yeah. Gray, Andre Nicotina, like... It's a classic. 
Yeah, like it has all these guys are are like from the Bay and Bay State. And while there's a lot of movies since, like you know, before and since, that have been filmed in the Bay Area and that do cover kind of like Bay Area hood films, like the you know, there's been a lot of them. There's been uh, like Fruitvale Station, and then the David Diggs movie. I think uh, what is it? Blind Spotting. Sorry to bother you. Like there's a lot of these. Uh, there's a lot of these movies that take place in these neighborhoods that we know and stuff like that. And that we do have um, a lot of love and affection for it. But I think the difference with this one is it specifically not just covers Bay area, like, you know, urban culture, but it's specifically Bay area, Latin urban culture. And that's, yeah. again, it, there's nothing like it. And uh, yeah, I think we definitely appreciate it and glad we got to review it. So, and I, and I'm also very excited because even though we're leaving this movie in the rear view now, uh, the movie that we're covering next week, I think, is it really is one of my favorite movies of the last decade. And, and it's gonna... I haven't seen it yet, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, dude, I tried. Oh. I I honestly do like, and I, it's funny because I actually picked this movie, <laughs> but yeah. that's why I picked it because I hadn't seen it. I can't wait! I can't wait for next week. We're gonna be covering Moonlight. Uh, which is uh, director Barry Jenkins' film. Uh, it won the Academy Award for Best Picture uh, in 2017. Well, at the 2018 Oscars, but it was a 2017 film. Fuck you, La La Land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, can't wait. I can't wait for that. Uh, thanks for joining us for this episode. Uh, thanks for coming back to listen to our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode that we did. I, I appreciate, you know, it, it took us a long time to to get back in the habit of doing these shows, but I hope that, you know, the subject matter that we're going through and just the fact that we're doing episodes again is uh, keeping everyone engaged with us. So thanks for joining us for this show and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Later guys. Gang, gang.